They were all a part of the nation. And to help ensure that the whole nation remembered, they all had a part to play. They were all participants in the process. This helped to ensure that the story would be told for generations to come. So it was a shared requirement. It was also a specific requirement we see in verses 3 through 5. He goes on and says, And command them, saying, Take up for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you, and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So as the priests are standing there holding the Ark of the Covenant, the water stops flowing, the, the ground becomes dry, so it is not going to impede them from the people of God crossing into the promised land. This certainly had to be a reminder for those little children now who had grown up to be adults of what God did when they were allowed to cross the Red Sea on dry ground. And I can imagine some of the parents saying, Son, you see what's happening here? This reminds me of what God did for us when we cross the Red Sea. It, it was similar to this. God performed a mighty miracle, son. And it was a way that, that they could give praise, glory, credit to God for what he had done. So they're to take these stones from the midst of the riverbed and take them on to the shore and lay them down there. And by the way, the, the Jordan River is, is not what you would consider like a huge river. Uh, it, it's, it's a little wider uh, than the Satilla River. Now, at flood stage, it gets quite large, and when it overflows its banks, and it is quite deep, but they cross over and they take these stones out of the river and lay them out, and God's going to tell them what else to do, verse 4. So Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed and the sons of Israel from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. Notice he's following the directives of God specifically. He doesn't deviate. He's doing exactly what God told him to do. Verse 5, And Joshua said to them, Cross again to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. So, Specific requirements were given for the nation to carry out. Why? So they would never forget. Now, as I mentioned, they were excited about getting to the promised land. But God did not want their excitement to cause them to rush into the land without stopping a moment. Without pausing and reflecting on how they got there. And who enabled them to arrive in that place. And to set up some sort of a marker to remember. Oh, how important this is. Then notice there's a sign requirement. Verses 6 and 7. Let this be a sign. Let this be a sign among you. So that when your children ask later. 
saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall say to them, Because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. Just as verse 6 says, let this be a sign among you. So this is a sign requirement. Now what is a sign? A sign is not something that draws attention to itself. A sign points to something else. So these stones were to be set up as markers, as sign indicators pointing to something. Pointing to the crossing of the Jordan. And beyond the crossing of the Jordan, the one who enabled it to happen, and that is to God Almighty. So these were markers, these were signs indicating that something very important had occurred at this place. Something so important, the people stopped and set out a marker so that when generations would follow, they would ask, what do these stones mean? Why are these stones set up this way? Who put them here? This was vitally important for for the nation of Israel to continue to be strong and secure. The nation of Israel still exists, as you know today. As a matter of fact, just about any time you turn the television on, you can, you can hear something about Israel. This tiny little nation and among all the nations of the world, about the size of New Jersey and geographically, this is not big at all, but it's the center of the world. How is it that this nation could remain intact after so many years, especially after this They were dispersed throughout all the nations of the world for centuries. It's because the mighty hand of God rests upon these people. And they obeyed the Lord to remember who he was. And he's been able to preserve them and to maintain their culture as a result. So they remembered what God had done. They set aside this marker as a sign. You know, we have a lot to remember here at First Baptist Church. I'm telling you, we, we have a rich history here, First Baptist Douglas. This church was organized and constituted in September of 1893 by gathering of nine charter members. I think in Douglas at that time, there were around 100 people who lived in the town of Douglas, little little spot on the planet. But someone had a vision to start a Baptist church here because one was needed. Understanding that, that this, this little town would grow and there would be families that would be raised here. And one day, people just like you and me would need a place to come and worship God Almighty. And so they gathered prayerfully to start the First Baptist Church. Since that time, millions of dollars have been given to support ministry and missions at home and literally around the world. 
God has called scores of people from this church to go out to be missionaries and pastors and teachers and and uh, youth ministers and the list is long of the people God called from First Baptist. God has also trained and developed mothers and dads to be strong leaders in their families, to teach the truth and provide strong families because of the ministry here at First Baptist Church. During this time since the beginning of First Baptist until now, hundreds of people have been saved, hundreds and hundreds saved and baptized as a part of First Baptist Douglas. Consider these and other blessings that God has given to us. Let me ask you, can we afford to forget these blessings? Can we afford to allow our minds to forget what God has done? I say absolutely not. We must never, ever forget what God has done here. Never be quick to forget the past. I think about all the pastors who have served. I think about their faithfulness. My predecessor, Dr. Shep, what a blessing he is and has been to this church for so many years. Thankful for him. I think about the many who preceded him. The first pastor, T.P. O'Neill, was his name. Pastoring here at First Baptist, Douglas. Godly men who stood at the helm navigating the church through good times and bad times. And here we are now, 2021, looking to the future and what God has in store for us. We should be more excited today than at any other time in the history of First Baptist. Considering what God has done, uh, we no longer live in a town where there's a hundred people. Uh, We live in a town where there are thousands of people. And we know within just a, a short distance drive of our church, there are literally tens of thousands of people who are unchurched. So we're right in the middle of a mission field. God has placed us here for this time. God has assembled us here to make a difference. To impact these people's lives for the kingdom. That bring honor and glory to the Lord. So yes, we see the requirement to remember. Also notice with me as we look in verses 8 and 9, the readiness to remember. The readiness. We need to be ready to remember. Verse 8 speaks about a readiness to hear. Thus, the Bible says, thus the sons of Israel did as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan just as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. 
notice how Joshua has given instructions to the tribes and how the tribes made the selection and carried out this requirement. The reason Joshua was able to do that is because he was listening to the Lord. He was ready to hear what God had to say. Not only was Joshua listening to the Lord, but the people were listening to Joshua who had been listening to the Lord. And with these clear instructions, they carried out in detail exactly what God told them to do. So we can learn here the great value and necessity to hear the word of the Lord. To be quick to hear what he has to say and to obey it. We have to be sensitive to what the Lord is saying to us. Isn't that true? We need to be sensitive and have an ear that is in tune with what he has to say. We can identify his voice and we can respond when he tells us to do something. We do that by being students of the word of God. I alluded to this morning how that this is God's revelation to us. We're not receiving any new revelation. God has given us all we need. It's contained in the scriptures. The canon of the scripture is closed. There's plenty here to keep us busy, right? So we study the word of God. We seek to understand what it says and then make application in our lives and in the life of our church. So we need to have a readiness to hear. Also, a readiness to heed what is said. As we continue to read in verse 8, and they carried them, that is the stones, over with them to the lodging place and put them down there. Verse 9, then Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the feet of the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing and They are there to this day. Those markers still stood there indicating what God had done because they had a readiness to remember. They wanted to remember the goodness of God. They wanted to remember His mighty hand at work in their lives. They had a readiness to hear what He said and to heed His word. Oh, dear friend, we need to follow their example exactly. Perhaps you've heard your mama say it sometime in your past. I know some of you, so I know she said this. You let what I say go into one ear and out the other. See, I told you, you've heard that before, right? And guess what? She's exactly right, amen? You may have heard your wife say that, have you? Now, it's not likely you women have heard that very much from your husbands. But certainly, we all tend to allow something to go in one ear and out the other. And, and your mother, when she said that, you know what she was saying? And when your wife says it, she's saying, you don't listen to me. Your tendency is not to listen to what I'm saying. We need to listen to what God is saying. Before we can remember, we must first listen. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 15, Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, just because you have these two things sticking on the side of your head, doesn't mean you listen. 
Sometimes we don't listen very well, do we? See, I told you, sometimes we don't listen very well, do we? Sometimes we don't listen very well, do we? Amen. Let me teach you how to say amen. I want to say it one more time. Sometimes we don't listen very well, do we? Now, that's music to my ears. Thank you for that. But yes, we need to hear what the Lord of God is saying. So there needs to be a readiness to remember by hearing and heeding His Word. Then finally, I want you to see the reasons to remember. The reasons to remember. We see this now in verses 21 through 24. The first reason is verses 21 through 23 to tell your children about God. We need to remember so we can tell our children about God. He said to the sons of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed. Just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed. Isn't that just like children? Now, if you have any children or grandchildren, you know that they love to ask questions. Some children really ask a lot of questions. I mean, one question after the other. And as you're trying to answer the first question, before you're finished, there's another question coming. And as you're trying to finish that one, there's another question, repeated questions over and over. That's how they learn. They're curious. And can't you, in your mind's eye, just conceive of these children one day, walking down by the river, and they're seeing these stones that had been stacked up there as markers, as signs of something that had happened. And a little child saying, Daddy, what are those stones for? What do these stones mean? What a perfect opportunity. The child is interested. The child wants to know, what do these stones mean? And so then the parent could take time to tell their children about God. They could teach them about God. Let me ask you a question. Do you have any markers in your life that will cause your children or grandchildren to ask you, what does this mean? Why do we do this? What's the purpose of going to church on Sunday. Daddy, why do you give and put your money in that little offering envelope? Mama, why is it that you sing in the choir? You see, there are thousands of questions that our children and grandchildren could ask when they see within us that we're remembering what God has done. And there are ways that we can set up literal markers and figurative markers in our lives that would provoke our children to ask these questions, to pique their curiosity so that we can tell of the glory of God, 
So the reason we need to remember is so that we can convey that information to our children and grandchildren. Now, you need to know, and I know you know this, but let me just remind you, don't expect the world to instruct your children in the ways of the Lord. Uh, We have a battle on our hands trying to teach our children right and wrong. They're constantly being bombarded with messages and images that distort who God is and attack the very idea that God exists. So it is our responsibility to convey to our children what the truth is, to tell them who God is and give Him praise and glory and honor. So we need to tell our children about God. Now there's a second reason to remember, and we see that in verse 24, uh, the first part of verse 24, and that is the world may know of God's might. That's exactly what we read here. Look in verse 24. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. That is not just your children and grandchildren. That's important. But we want these other people groups. We want people beyond us to see that God is mighty. That God is powerful. That God is at work among His people. And then they can ask questions. And you can bear testimony to them who God is. That's why it's important to leave some markers and to remember what God has done. Because we are being inspected by the world. They're watching us. And they wonder what we all are about. They cannot conceive of the fact that we would gather here on a Sunday night in the rain in February. We would assemble here. By your being here tonight, you have set out a marker. Your very presence here tonight is a marker to your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, your co-workers. They see your obedience. And they wonder, why are they doing that? Why are they going down to that church house on this dark, cold night? It prompts them to ask some questions that you can answer. You can bear testimony to God's goodness of how He's worked in your life. How He he brought you out of the depths of despair. How He rescued you from some type of addiction. How He healed your marriage. How He gave you hope when you felt hopeless. How you were lost and bound in sin, but because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you by faith have received His forgiveness, and your feet has been placed on, your feet have been placed on solid ground. You have a new hope and a new disposition. You have a new direction and a new future because of what Christ has done. So we're able to tell the world. That's why we set up the marker. There's a third reason why we need to remember. And that is, as he says in the latter part of verse 24, you may fear the Lord forever. That's what he says. So that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now, when he speaks about fear, he's not talking about cowardice. 
He's talking about a holy reverence for God. He's talking about us being in awe of who he is. His great power and might and splendor and glory. God has demonstrated to his people. We need to have a fear, a sense of awe of who God is. Far too many of us as Christians have dryness in our hearts spiritually. We're spiritually dry sometimes. Have you ever been there? I think we all have if we're honest. There have been times when we've been spiritually dry and we kind of go through the motions. God wants to revitalize our, our spiritual lives. He, he wants to restore this sense of expectancy. This attitude of, of gratitude to God. Uh, th- this, this wonder that many of us have lost because we've been walking with the Lord so long, perhaps we've taken for granted how good He is and the glory and splendor that is His. That needs to be recaptured. How do we recapture it? Well, one way is to remember what He's done. I think about how we read in the book of Revelation where one of the churches was told, remember, remember from where you have fallen. Repent. Have your love revived. And perhaps that's where many of us are tonight as Christians. We need to remember what God has done. We need to go back to that point in time where we embrace Christ as our Savior. And we we remember the flood of appreciation that filled our hearts. The gratitude that we expressed. We wanted to tell other people about it. We couldn't wait to get to work or to school or to call the friend. Say, guess what I did? I received Christ as my Savior. And and you, you felt that sense of peace and the fact that now you're right with God. And you have all the promises that God has given to you available now. It's a part of your experience and and what you anticipate God is going to do in your life. And, and you had this excitement about the future. How God was going to use you. Think about the first time you walked in that Sunday school class. You'd never taught before. You have these eyes looking at you. You're on the spot. And you've done your best through the week to study the text. And there you try to present the lesson. And you're, you're a little afraid. You're You're nervous. Your words stumble over as they try to come out of your mouth. But yet the Lord sustains you and he gives you what to say. And, and when it's over, you, you have this sense of satisfaction that the Lord used you to convey a message to his people. And you see people's lives beginning to change as a result. Or the first time you stood up before a congregation... To sing a solo and you were so nervous you could hardly get a word out. And you were so tense your, your whole breath was shut down. But somehow you, you stood there and you sang because you realized God had given you a voice. God had given you a testimony. God had given you an opportunity and you wanted to honor him with it. 
Or remember the first time you shared your faith? How afraid you were that you would say the wrong thing? Or there were questions that would be asked that you couldn't answer? But yet you, you took a step of faith and, and you brought the conversation up and you started trying to, as best you could, to share with that person because you love that individual. And what a blessing you felt when you walked away from that experience. You knew that God had used you in your weakness. He had demonstrated himself to be strong. I remember the time that you went over to someone's house or to someone's bedside who was very sick and they had questions. And you didn't have all the answers, but all you knew to do was to go there as a representative of the Lord Jesus and to pray with that person. And you were there. And it meant so much to that dying saint or that friend who was struggling. Remember the time that someone called you and their marriage was on the rocks and they said, I just don't know if I can make it. I feel like giving up. I feel like quitting. It's never going to work. And you prayed and you offered some biblical counsel that was soothing to the soul of that friend. You see, when when we're allowed to be used of God, we should never forget those times. We're so quick to forget we have this spiritual Alzheimer's disease. We forget what God has done and what God is capable of doing is far greater. Unless we forget. If we fail to remember what God has done, it's not only a tragedy, it's a sin. My challenge to you is never, ever forget in our family my wife is the one who tries to gather everyone for the photo there's one in every family right when we have a holiday a vacation a wedding a funeral a birthday when there's a change of the phase of the moon she wants to take a picture of course no one else wants to pose for the picture We don't want to be interrupted from conversations or from uh, just relaxing. We don't want to have to stand there and stand still and get posed and take the picture. But pictures need to be taken. They help record the story of our lives. They provide a snapshot of a precise moment of our lives that is recorded And needs to be remembered. Something that possesses value. Needs to never be forgotten. Too often we have received the blessings of the Lord. And we have failed to set up these stone markers. Of remembrance. In our fast paced lives. We have allowed our hurried schedules. To rush us toward the next experience. 
we must be determined to remember the goodness that God has shown to us. If you've ever visited Washington, D.C., you know that there are many monuments and memorials everywhere. The Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial, the Jefferson Memorial, the MLK Memorial, the World War II Memorial, the Vietnam Memorial, just to name a few. These and other sites are set aside to call our attention to those who sacrificially gave of themselves to make our nation strong and great. These monuments and memorials are intended to prevent us from forgetting how blessed we are as a nation. As the people of God, we too must set up these markers to help us remember what God has done in our past so that we can better anticipate our futures and what God is going to do in the days to come. Friends, we are blessed here at First Baptist. We're blessed. I'm so blessed to be your pastor. Sonia and I love First Baptist Douglas. And we believe that God has brought us here for a purpose. And we believe that God has brought you here equally to share in that purpose. The best days are ahead. And the way that we are able to see those good things become a reality is by pausing long enough and remember the goodness of God, what He's done in our past individually and collectively as a church. So we want to thank Him tonight. And I'm going to ask you to stand as we go into our time of invitation. And, and during this invitation, if you are a member here at First Baptist, would you just say a prayer and thank God for this church as such a lighthouse it has been. And ask for God to do far greater in the future to impact our community and world. And thank God for what He's done for you individually and as a family, for your salvation, for the other blessings that are far too numerous to even recount. If you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, now you can call upon Him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. But I believe Jesus is the Savior, and I commit my life to Christ, and by faith receive His forgiveness. I would love to speak to you about it. I'll be standing down here to receive you. You can also join this fellowship. At this time, you can come. All you have to do is come forward and say, I want to become a member here at First Baptist. Some of you need to be baptized. You're Christians, but you've never been baptized. It's a way that you proclaim publicly your faith in Christ. You come and that, with that request, we will schedule a baptism for you. You can also come to the altar here and pray. However the Lord is speaking to your heart, you respond. Let's sing together. <laughs>